Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong here with the man himself, attorney Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Jason, I'm good. I hope you are. I'm doing wonderful, Bill. I'm looking forward to the show. We've got your webinars coming up this week and I always love the shows, Bill. Uh, this is a personal thing with me, ah, where fun. where you give us a, a, a little history or a cultural lesson because you're you're a very knowledgeable and learned person. Well, I, I did want to start out uh, this this morning uh, talking about something that's important to me uh, that seemed to have just bypassed uh, uh, the, the world this this area uh, this past week. Uh, you, you, most of us recognize that um, the calendar turned from April to May. Uh, what a joyous time. Uh, and the fact is, uh, I, I had uh, an office meeting uh, of all, all my team members. Uh, so we gathered so that they could tell me uh, how I needed to clean up my my act and get my work done uh, better, uh, and it was in a um, uh, in a format where they knew they could tell me anything they they needed me to know, and which for the most part said you need to take better notes. <laughs> I get that, so I'm going to try to do my best to do better. But the bottom line is, I asked around the table. We also had lunch. And asked around the table, well, what do you, what about May Day? What do you think about May Day? So May Day was Monday, this past Monday. And it went by, and there was nothing uh, in the news cycle about it. There were no celebrations in town. There, the, it wasn't even mentioned uh, that I could tell uh, on the newscasts or... Uh, the, n nothing in the paper, you know, it was like it just went by uh, with no fanfare whatsoever. And you're probably scratching your head right now thinking, what the heck is he talking about? It's okay, May 1st, what's the big deal? Well, the fact is that, um, it, it, and of course it has, May Day has significance, different significance to different people, different countries around the world. Uh, and, and most of us, um, you know, grew up with stories of May Day and children playing around the Maypole and spring flowers and, and the like. And actually, that is one of the significant uh, features uh, of May Day. I mean, it's, it's uh, a European festival uh, uh, and uh, is sometimes a festival in the United States as well, uh, basically celebrating um, the return of spring and the beginning of summer. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, from a... Uh, an astrological and astronomy and all that good stuff. It has significance of being between the, um, you, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to go into it. I know very little about those kind of things, but, <laughs> but the bottom line is that uh, it's a festival in, in that sense. But then, uh, and this is somewhat ironic, uh, May Day, 
uh, is celebrated in most communist countries around the world. Uh, and we particularly see it uh, in Russia. Uh, but it's also celebrated in China and North Korea and um, uh, I believe it's uh, also celebrated in, in Cuba and, and Vietnam and, and uh, some other, uh, another uh, number of uh, communist countries around the world. But those are the biggies, obviously. Um, uh, and, and that there is celebrated as, and, and this may surprise some folks, um, it's celebrated as International Workers' Day in communist countries, and it actually is toasted, if you will, in the United States uh, among labor unions and, and others uh, as it relates to that. Um, and of course, uh, more often than not, you see uh, um, televised the, the big parade uh, on May 1st in Moscow Square, uh, if you will, um, because it's a huge parade and they drum out all the military hardware and have the soldiers march down the street with the tanks and the uh, uh, missiles and rockets and and all of the uh, uh, military hardware that they expect to scare the patooties out of everybody. Uh, and, and so uh, that's... Uh, a, a part of, of what we see. And, and of course, um, uh, International Workers' Day uh, is important in, in, to the degree that it, it should uh, bring to light the progress made by uh, working people in terms of uh, fair wages and fair hour, you know, um, uh, hours to be worked and child labor laws and all of the uh, the different things that have occurred over the years. But the irony, of course, is that the primary celebrations are in uh, communist countries where uh, they are ruled with an iron fist. Okay, so what's uh, now? Let's get back to what about here? Why was I disappointed? in terms of the fact that we didn't see anything here. Well, since I started practicing law, I recognized that May Day is celebrated in every courthouse around the country. Now, and this is state and federal. Uh, now, did I hear about any of the celebrations? More than likely, there was a, a subtle celebration at the courthouse here and in every courthouse. But what is it that they're celebrating? They're actually celebrating Law Day. They're celebrating the fact that this country was founded on what? The rule of law. And that's so important when you think about it, because the fact is that, you know, we celebrate big time Independence Day, July the 4th. That's when the fireworks go up. But what did folks fight for to, um, in terms of why did they want independence? They wanted the rule of law. So in some ways, May Day, at least in this country, being Law Day, wanting, you know, celebrating the rule of law 
should, from my own perspective, be celebrated in the same way that July 4th is celebrated, (laughs) because that's what this country should be all about. Now, we all know that this country is not perfect, you know, that we're governed by human beings and we're all fallible people, and our our, uh, government is fallible. Uh, We all know that. But at the same time, it was founded upon these principles that are so important. And, and of course, the, the, I, I have to think that, you know, today is also the coronation of King Charles III in Great Britain. <laughs> and to me, there's a little bit of irony there as well, you know, because, you know, part of that coronation is to ask the people of Great Britain to pledge their loyalty to the king and to his heirs, whatever that is, you know. And, you know, thank the Lord, we don't have titles in this country. And, of course, that was part of of what people uh, in 1776 were declaring independence from as well. Because, uh, and of course, the laws have changed a lot in Great Britain, too, and I'll give them credit for that. But the fact that they're still uh, honoring uh, the, uh, the king just because he was born to the right family, uh, to, to me, is uh, somewhat silly, even though it's, it's interesting. It's sort of like what we do with Hollywood people, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> the fact is that there's irony in, in the fact that while there is a huge celebration going on across the pond, uh, for King Charles, uh, you know, we should be equally celebrating uh, our own rule of law, which, of course, should have occurred on Monday. And, uh, you know, I didn't even hear a peep when it came to that. So I was, I was frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you said your piece here, Bill, and hopefully everyone listening, you know, can uh, think about May Day and maybe put it on the calendar for next year. So that well, it's a it, there is so much irony uh, in it, but it, I mean, it, it, from from my own perspective, if people want to celebrate it, so they can, uh, you know, pick the spring flowers and uh, have the children. Uh, run around the maypole. That's fine, fine with me. But I, I would like the underlying theme to be the celebration of the rule of law. I know you would love that. So uh, I'm glad you got to speak your piece here. We've got a wonderful show lined up for you today. Don't forget, Bill's webinars are happening this coming Wednesday. May 10th. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance, how you may be eligible for Medicaid or VA benefits when it comes to dealing with a long-term care crisis, whether it's for you or for a loved one, you're going to want to sign up and attend Bill's free webinars. It's very easy to do. You just head on over to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page. It's free to register, free to attend, and you can participate from the comfort of your own home. All you need is a device with internet access and an email address, and you're good to go. WGALaw.com is where you want to go to sign up. Click the seminars button. Again, Bill's got two webinars happening this Wednesday, May 10th. The morning session deals with long-term care assistance. The afternoon session deals with 
Asset Protection and Trust Planning. Again, both of these are free to attend. Learn more from Bill about some subjects that can have a lot of confusion associated with them, but Bill does a wonderful job of explaining things in a way that even I can understand. That's how good he is. Go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about Bill at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com is where you can go to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill or to register for Bill's free webinars happening this Wednesday, May 10th. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page to learn more. Bill's webinars are free to attend. There's no cost to you. And Bill, certainly for anyone dealing with a long-term care issue or may see one for coming down the road, this is something that you really want to sign up and attend. Absolutely. it's. Uh, I really enjoy uh, our webinars, and quite frankly, I think a lot of folks are surprised by how much they can get out of our webinars. Uh, and there's so many families uh, that are affected by the high cost of long-term care. And the one thing about our morning seminar is the fact that it teaches folks the basics when it comes to whether or not they can actually receive government assistance, because it's just as important to know what you can't get as it is what you can. And of course, uh, a part of it is to uh, make sure folks understand that uh, you don't have to be poor to receive Medicaid if you need nursing facility care. Of course, that's a level of care nobody wants to have to ever go to. And I'm, I, I'm, that's, <laughs> that's a golden rule as far as most people are concerned. But there are times when there's no choice, that there's no option, and it's a really expensive thing. And most families, quite frankly, can receive Medicaid if they have some professional help to get there. And while they do it, they can preserve their assets. And so that's an important seminar for folks who are dealing with those long-term care issues. And, of course, then the afternoon, we talk about asset protection and trust planning and so many folks are curious about trust. They, you know, I don't know that they trust trusts, but the fact is, is that trusts are a great planning tool for families, uh, and they can be used for asset protection now, but it's more common that asset protection planning is actually used for future generations or for what you can do for your spouse, uh, but particularly for your children and grandchildren. And so that can be extremely important planning uh, for folks as well. So I enjoy both, and I think uh, there's a lot to be gained from both webinars. So I hope folks will join us for both. 
I hope so as well. WGALaw.com is where you can go if you want to sign up for this Wednesday's webinars. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page. Bill, last week we spent some time talking about retirement accounts and distributions and uh, some tax planning wrapped in there as well. But there's there's a lot of ground to cover with the t- retirement accounts. No, no question about it. I, I only uh, got to talk about the basics last week, but it's important for folks to know uh, how to use retirement accounts. And, and quite frankly, most people get very little advice, uh, and sometimes the advice they get is not particularly good advice. Most people are only told, don't spend your retirement account. You know, even though it's a retirement account and after you retire, you might need that money. But they're basically told uh, to just let it grow because it grows income tax free and let it grow, 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 grow. And I'm a believer in that as well. But at the same time, uh, okay, so they tell you how to invest it, but they don't tell you how to spend it. Uh, About the only advice people get is, only take your required minimum distribution, um, and so you, you'll you pay less taxes on a year-to-year basis if you only take your required distribution. And of course, the whole theory of retirement accounts is that while you're working and at your highest income tax bracket, you can take money off the table, not pay income tax on that money, and put it into a retirement account for later years. And then after you retire and you have a lot less income, sometimes the only income is from Social Security, that's when you take it. And the theory is you'll be at a lower tax rate after you retire, which is true for most people. But there are an awful lot of folks who have just as much income from uh, other sources uh, after they retire as before, or at least close to it, and they may even still be in the same tax bracket as before. So, um, uh, and of course, we also talked last week about the SECURE Act, which uh, has been law just for a few years. And of course, that has taken away what most people did with large IRAs when it when it was inherited by children and grandchildren, which is called the stretch IRA. Now children and grandchildren have to take whatever they inherit in a retirement account within 10 years of the date of your death. And so obviously if you have a large retirement account that they inherit, it often, uh, while it's nice to have that they have to pay income tax on it just like you do and and um, uh, when you have to take all of it within 10 years that can be uh, quite expensive it often in fact in most for most people it'll put them in a, into a much higher tax bracket because of having to take those large taxable distributions during their working years because most of the time, the children inherit these retirement accounts while they're in their highest earning years. And so that can be uh, a traumatic <laughs> for folks because nobody I know likes to pay 
income tax, or at least more than their fair share of income tax. So uh, what are some of the things that you can do? Well, obviously, depending on uh, your when you retire, uh, sometimes it helps to actually take distributions uh, now after age 59 and a half, because you're penalized in most cases. There are some exceptions if you take retirement money uh, before you're 59 and a half. Uh, and after you retire, you know, uh, folks retire at different ages. Sometimes people even retire in their 50s, but most people retire in their 60s. And then there's folks like me who don't retire. You know, we're we're in, you know, now I'm 71 and uh, enjoying my law practice, and I really do not intend to retire. Slow down, yes, but not retire. I enjoy what I do. So, um, okay. So what are some of the things that we can do that make sense? Well, don't forget that the money in your retirement account is not worth what you have in your retirement account, because everything is taxable to you uh, at ordinary income tax rates. That's like earnings, if you will. Uh, And it's also taxable to whomever receives it later. In other words, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, who you leave it to. Um, and, of course, uh, you and your spouse will have, you know, minimum required distributions based on your age, and your children and grandchildren will have the 10-year rule. They'll have required minimum distributions but based on their age, which will be low, but they'll have to have it all withdrawn within 10 years of the date of your death, and that means 11 tax years uh, for most people. So... Okay, so what are some of the things that we can do that make sense? Well, to the degree that you're over 59 and a half and you have a large um, IRA, uh, you can, uh, you can uh, use it to do uh, different things, and that's what I want to talk about. Now, first of all, if you're over 70 and a half, so, you know, I have to fast forward a little bit, but so you've made it to 70 and a half and more than likely you're retired at this point and you have required minimum distributions. But here's the thing. If you give to charity and there are an awful lot of folks who give a fairly substantial amount to their church or other charities on a year-to-year basis. You know, uh, we're a very generous people for those folks who uh, have plenty of resources. And the fact is, is that if you're over 70 and a half, you can make those charitable distributions from your retirement account. Well, guess what? If you're making those charitable distributions from your retirement account, it does two things that are both good. Number one, what you're giving to charity has never been taxed to you. So you've not paid a penny of income tax on it. Isn't it nice to be able to give something to charity that you've never had to pay tax on and will not pay tax on? 
And the uh, and of course the charity pays no income tax on it. That's the only exception to the rule that a, a, a distributee must pay the income tax. So that's a win-win for both sides. And then what's really nice is that the amount that you give to charity substitutes for that portion of your required minimum distribution. So let's say you give $5,000 to your church every year, and your minimum required distribution is $3,000. Well, if it comes out of your retirement account, then it counts as your $3,000. In fact, it's more than that. and uh, basically none of it is taxable to you, not the $5,000. So that, of course, is a win-win because you're not paying income tax on that amount of money that was required to be distributed to you because you gave it to charity. Okay. Now, Take it another way. Let's say that your required distribution is $10,000 and you've given five to the church. Well, guess what? That means the five that goes to the church is not taxable. And I can tell you that you can talk to your CPA, but that is actually a better uh, than a deduction. In other words, if you're not having to report it as income, then that's far better on your tax return than if you had to report the income and then gave money to charity. And of course, unless you itemize today, you get no charitable deduction. Uh, So obviously giving it through your retirement accounts actually gives you uh, a bang for your buck uh, because you're giving money that's never paid tax to charity and you're not having to report it as your income. So if you take an attend, you know, $5,000 went uh, to your church and you have a $10,000 requirement, then you're only paying income tax on the $5,000 difference. That's a win-win. Okay, not everybody gives to charity. Not everybody can afford to do that, but most of us do. Uh, and significant against, uh, gifts to charity uh, should be done through your retirement account. Now, all right. The fact is, is that our retirement accounts oftentimes today are our largest asset. Uh, you know, it, years past, it was our house, no longer true. More people have more money in their retirement accounts than they do uh, for their house. So uh, what are some of the other things that we can do? And I want to go through these because they're all important, but uh, they, uh, n- number one, one is Roth conversions, another is charitable remainder trust, uh, and a, another is life insurance. So I want to come back and talk about how you can use your retirement accounts for those purposes. Wonderful. We will get into that discussion. Please stick around for that. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com if you want to register for Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, May 10th. That's this coming Wednesday. Go to WGALaw.com click on the seminars button at the top of the page or you can call the office the phone number is 919-256-7000 we're taking a short break but we'll be back after this this is asset protection today with attorney bill alexander and we will be right back 
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill's free webinars happening this Wednesday, May 10th. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, and government assistance that you might be surprised that you qualify for if you're dealing with a long-term care crisis, go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button to register and attend. You can also find information about Bill's afternoon webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning. These are free to attend. There's no cost to you, and it's just a wonderful opportunity to learn more from Bill. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill. We're talking all things retirement accounts. And just before the break, we were uh, leading into a discussion on all the things that you can do with a retirement account. Yes. Well, part of my underlying thinking is this. Most folks I know would rather pay less tax now than more tax later. Okay. Um, And there are two things, uh, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned. Here's one thing, one fact that a lot of folks are not thinking right now, because I like to think ahead, okay? Number one, all of our tax rates are going up in three years. So this year and next year and the year after that, we have lower tax rates than we will after that. Why? Because when our tax rates were lowered a few years ago, which, you know, everybody liked, of course, everybody likes to pay less tax, they sunsetted those rules for us. Now, they didn't sunset them for corporations, which is silly, but they sunset them for us. And what does sunset mean? It means it goes away. (laughs) So in essence, in 2026, which will be the fourth tax year, Um, our rates go up a couple percent. And that's assuming that we're, you know, at status quo, our income is the same. So we'll be paying more income tax in 2026 than we pay in 2025, 2024, or this year, okay? So these next three years are an opportunity. The other thing that underlies my thinking, uh, and this is something that folks can figure out or they can have their accountant help to figure it out for them, and that is, um, you know, how much room is in your tax bracket in terms of what you pay versus where your bracket is, and the... Okay, here's another fact that is true for most people. Not everyone, because there are exceptions. But it's always important to me in planning to know how much income will the survivor have but in a husband-wife situation. In other words, if husband dies, how much income will the wife have? If the wife dies, how much income will the husband have? That's a really important fact for people to know, and you'd be surprised how many people don't actually know the answer to that. It's like, well, we get what we'll get. And that's not, you know, basically it's something that can be figured out relatively easily uh, and should be figured out. Why? Because most surviving spouses 
will pay will be at a higher tax bracket than when they were married filing jointly. Why? Because uh, single brackets are half of what married brackets are, and the standard deduction is half of what a married bracket or deduction would be. Uh, so the bottom line is it doesn't t- it only takes half the income of where you were to be exactly where you were as married filing jointly. But most married people have more income than half. <laughs> okay. And so for many, many taxpayers, it pushes the surviving spouse into a higher tax bracket. And sometimes that higher tax bracket is only a couple percent more, but you have to understand our brackets are not even. So sometimes it pushes you by 8% or more, um, and, and that's a bad thing, you see. So the bottom line is, is if people realize that they're going to be paying more tax in later years, should they take advantage of any room that they have in their tax bracket now while they're alive and married and and have the ability to take money out of a retirement account at the same tax rate where they are recognizing if they don't take it now and the spouse ends up taking it later, they will be paying a higher rate of tax not only because the rates go up in 2026, but because when one spouse dies, the other ends up in a higher tax bracket anyway. So (laughs) both are negatives. All right, so what can you do to solve that? Well, one is it might be time to do Roth conversions. Now, what's a Roth? Roth is where you take a retirement account, it grows income tax-free, You have to pay the income tax to put the money into the Roth. But whenever you take it out, you take it out income tax-free. And there are no required distributions to a Roth. So contributing to a Roth actually has the advantage of it reduces your required distribution. So if you can convert to a Roth at your same tax rate, that's generally a win-win for the family. And I guarantee you that to the degree your spouse or your children or your grandchildren inherit a Roth, they like those accounts a heck of a lot better than traditional retirement accounts that they have to pay tax on. There are certainly some benefits when it comes to a Roth IRA and making sure that you're aware of the benefits available to you are key and having those options and understanding the lay of the land. It all goes into planning and making sure that you're making decisions that are best for you and for your loved ones. If you want to schedule some time to speak with Bill, go to WGALaw.com. That's the best place to go. You can also find information there about Bill's free webinars. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, government assistance that is available to many many middle-class families dealing with a long-term care crisis go to wgalaw.com click on the seminars button at the top of the page to register you can also find information about bill's afternoon webinar that deals with asset protection and trust planning wgalaw.com is where you want to go or you can call the office 919-256-7000 
7,000. A short break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Register for Bill's free webinars happening this Wednesday, May 10th. Bill does these the second Wednesday of every month, and this coming week is webinar week. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance that may be available to you when dealing with a long-term care crisis, this deals with Medicaid, government assistance, VA benefits, go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page to register to attend for free. There's no cost to you. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to learn more about Medicaid and just how uh, confusing and often there's lots of misinformation out there related to Medicaid. So this is a wonderful opportunity for you to have some of those myths cleared up for you. WGALaw.com to Register and attend Bill's free webinars. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're talking all things retirement accounts. Bill, what else do we need to know about what we can do with our retirement accounts? Well, it might surprise folks that uh, oftentimes a good life insurance policy, um, uh, not a term policy, one that you can count on uh, for your spouse or your children, can be an option that makes financial sense. So let's say that you're trying, uh, that you're over 59 and a half, you're retired, so your income is relatively stable uh, in terms of you and your spouse, uh, and uh, you have no charitable intentions one way or the other, you want all your money to go to your family, and you're trying to give your spouse or your children tax free income rather than taxable income through your retirement account. Well, one way to do that, and again, I'd be looking at the room you have within your tax bracket so you're not paying a higher rate of tax to take distributions, but to take distributions in which you use to pay insurance premiums on your life, particularly if you're healthy, You know, if you're not healthy, then this is not going to work. But if you're healthy, uh, you can purchase a life insurance policy and pay the premiums. Now, if you're trying to do the same thing for your children, then you would do it in a second-to-die policy that basically pays out when both you and your spouse, uh, the last of the two of you die, that's when the policy pays. And, of course, with life insurance, You can structure life insurance so it's not part of your estate, and you can structure the payments either directly to your children or grandchildren, or you can uh, can structure it in a trust, uh, which, of course, I like, but but either way works. But life insurance actually is a way to game the system to convert taxable income to uh, a tax free because people know that life insurance has no income tax with it. So, and of course, with, uh, with good planning, you can also have life insurance that's outside of your estate if you have a large estate. So that's, that's one good plan. Now, if you have 
charitable intentions, or at least some, little bit of charitable intentions, where you want to leave, uh, say, 10% to your church or an, an important charity to you. Uh, and let's say that you have ch- uh, children uh, or even grandchildren at times uh, that uh, you don't you want to give them an income stream rather like, like you would a stretch IRA. I mean, that a lot of parents are concerned that a, a child will be stupid with a retirement account, and they'll take a large distribution for a purpose, not realizing that they're, they're pushing themselves into the highest tax bracket uh, and those kind of things. Because we, we know that we all make mistakes, and our children, when they get a lot of uh, money uh, make huge mistakes, uh, and we we try to keep our children from uh, we you know from doing that kind of thing. You know we uh, <laughs> so uh, okay. So we have some charitable intentions. So is there a solution? Yes, it's called a charitable remainder trust, and so this is a really really good substitute for a stretch IRA. Uh, so basically, for uh, now, uh, in terms of the way the math works, typically it has to be a beneficiary who is over 27 years old if you want to create a lifetime income stream for that child, for that beneficiary. Uh, now, if it, let's say it's a young child, um, you know, like a grandchild that's younger than that. You can still use a charitable remainder trust. You just have to structure it as a 20-year term rather than a lifetime term. But if people are older than that, let's say your children are in their 50s, you can structure a charitable remainder trust um, for lifetime distributions. Now, the distributions are taxable, just like a stretch IRA is taxable, uh, and you have to, at a minimum, leave at least 10% at the end of the term that goes to charity. Um, <clears throat> but if you have charitable intentions, that's actually a, a good thing because you've done two things with a charitable remainder trust. You've basically given your loved one an income stream, typically for their lifetime, in fact, it can be for more than one person if they're old enough. Uh, it can be a joint lifetime uh, for an income stream, and then the balance goes to your charity of choice uh, when when that beneficiary dies. You have that option, and it's important to get ahead on your planning to explore these as well because this information doesn't do you very much good after the facts. So schedule some time to speak with Bill. Go to WGALaw.com. From there, you can find information on speaking with Bill, and you can find information about registering for Bill's free webinars happening this Wednesday. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page to learn more. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back.
This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, Bill's webinars are this Wednesday, May 10th. Bill does these the second Wednesday of every month, so you're going to have to wait until June if you're not able to make it to this week's session. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill's free webinars dealing with with long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, anyone that you know that is dealing with a long-term care crisis would really benefit from attending one of these sessions. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. Bill also has a webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning. These are free to attend. There's no cost to you. Sign up now. Go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-256. 7,000. 919-256-7,000. That will do it for us today. We hope to see you again next weekend. We hope to see you at the webinars. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.